I'm sure that you, like me, love redemption and stories of change. Something just remarkable when we hear of a moment that seemed dark, a moment that seemed impossible only to have the script be flipped. There's a lot of films, a lot of moments in history that we could think of, a lot of stories in sports. For instance, uh, an unknown basketball team from a small town makes it to the final four. A, um, a rejected woman is wooed and rescued by a handsome prince. Pretty much the storyline of every Hallmark movie. <laughs> Don't want to ruin it for you, but I'm just saying that's, that's what the arc is. Small town lawyer wins a legal victory of a massive corp over a massive corporation. Black woman who refuses to give up her seat on a bus sparks a national movement for civil rights. Prisoner of war who refuses to be broken and in the process is personally transformed. So our culture is just filled with these stories, these amazing narratives of what seemed lost was suddenly transformed. Maybe that's been your story over the last year or maybe two years. Maybe you had a significant health challenge and you've worked through it. Maybe you had a relationship conflict and you just thought, I don't know how this is ever gonna be right and you actually feel like things are getting better. Maybe there's been a, just kind of a dark cloud of depression and kind of just hanging over your life and you've been able to battle through it and fight through it. Or, or maybe a, an addiction that you have been able to overcome. Stories of redemption and stories of change are a part of our life. We, we love them because they're so hopeful. They're deeply motivating. And as powerful as those stories in history or in the arts or in film or in your own life are, as powerful as they are, you need to know that the story of Easter is the story underneath all stories. It's a true story. It's the greatest transformation story ever told. The resurrection of Jesus was the greatest news that was ever announced because without the resurrection, there are no stories of redemption. That's why we celebrate Easter so significantly. Really, for Christians, every Sunday is a celebration of the resurrection. We gather on the first day of the week, but this is the weekend in particular that we really focus on what the resurrection is all about. And this morning, I want to just approach the resurrection and the subject of God's grace from three different questions. Number one, why is the resurrection so important? Two, how are grace and the resurrection connected? And three, why does grace first, that's kind of our theme this weekend, why does grace first really matter? So from Romans 4, we're going to answer those questions along with chapter 5. Question number one, why is the resurrection important? Think what happened this weekend. It's a mind-blowing event. The tomb is empty after an incredibly tumultuous week. Seven days earlier, Jesus walks through um, Rather rides through uh, Jerusalem on a donkey, and the crowds think he's come to set up his kingdom. They, they, they cry, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They, they think he's going to be seated as the rightful king over Israel, and Rome is going to be pushed out, and the nation of Israel is going to have their glory days reestablished again. The religious leaders panicked, 
see him as a threat. He's becoming popular. They scheme to figure out how they're going to kill him. Judas, part of the disciples, becomes disillusioned with Jesus, thinking he's not really going to bring in the kind of kingdom that he was hoping and out of greed then betrays him. Pilate can't have another revolt in the city of Jerusalem, especially during Passover. Rome isn't going to stand for that. So he has him flogged and then crucified. And Jesus hangs there on Friday all alone. His disciples abandoned him. In this moment, to a watching world, Jesus would have seemed to have been a fraud. It would seem as though he had been forgotten by God. He's hanging on a cross. The Old Testament says, cursed is anyone who hangs on the cross. And as darkness descends, as an earthquake rumbles, as the temple curtain is torn in two, it looks as though Jesus' message is discredited and his movement was destroyed. But three days later, an empty tune flips that script. Now from death to life, from despair to hope, from judgment to mercy, from condemnation to grace, the resurrection of Jesus fundamentally changes everything. It is the story of redemption underneath all other stories. So why is it important? Well, the Apostle Paul says he was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. It's important because the cross and the resurrection complete the work of God by which he rescues sinners. He's delivered up for our trespasses. What does that mean? The word trespass is another word for sin. Sin is essentially the breaking of any of God's rules, either in what we do, what we fail to do, and desiring the wrong things. It's the basic brokenness that is in the world. It's why death is real. Sin is behind all conflicts, impure desires, mixed motives, and deceitful actions. The problem is sin in us, sin in the world, and sin in the universe, and it's why the crucifixion of Jesus Christ was necessary. You can think of the whole message of the Bible centering on this message of the cross, and in our church we talk about it this way often, God is holy, I am not, Jesus saves, and Christ is my life. That's our way of sort of summarizing the central message of the Bible. God is holy, meaning he sets the ground rules. God tells us what's right and what's wrong because he's holy, and his holiness is the definition of what righteousness is. God is holy, I am not. The message of the Bible is that God compassionately, through the scriptures, tells us that we're not righteous. Romans 3 says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Meet a Christian and you'll find somebody who had to first deal with the fact that God is holy and they were not. God is holy, I am not, Jesus saves, meaning that God reconciles the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, according to 2 Corinthians 5, 19, that Jesus offers his death as ours, his atonement provides the means by which we can be forgiven. God is holy, I am not, Jesus saves, Christ is my life. Here's the transformation that takes place. When a person puts their trust in Jesus, we then become the recipients of the riches of God's grace. So what happens with Jesus being delivered up for our trespasses is that the cross becomes this significant moment where a holy God pours out his wrath upon sin, on Jesus, so that there's a possibility of forgiveness for any who would put their trust in Christ. Jesus' death provides atonement. 
He was delivered for our trespasses. That's what it means. But that's not all. The Apostle Paul says he was raised for our justification. That word justification means to be declared righteous. It not only means that God cleans your account of what you've done wrong, he takes the sacrifice of Jesus and applies it to your sin debt, but even more, he legally declares you to be one who has perfectly kept the law even though you haven't. And this is why Christianity is amazed with God's grace. Because God not only forgives us, but he counts us blameless with no guilt and no punishment and complete obedience. Justification is what makes the good news such good news. It means that God gives you the righteousness of Jesus. And as a Christian, it means that every day of your life, underneath it is this beautiful foundation that God has treated you in a way that you don't deserve. He declared you to be something that you wouldn't have been were it not for Jesus. The resurrection is important because if the story of Jesus is simply that he died, then it would be a signal that sin had not been defeated. If death wins then sin still reigns. If Jesus dies without a resurrection, then there is no hope that he's any different than any other person who claimed to be God, a man who lived on the earth, preached a message. But how do we know he's really the son of God? The resurrection means that redemption is possible because death has been defeated. That's why it's important. It's not just important that Jesus died, it's important that he was raised from the dead. Some of you listening to this message may not be convinced, you're not yet a Christian, you may not even believe the claims of the Bible. I'm really glad you're listening and considering some things. Can I just give you six quick reasons why I think you should believe that the resurrection of Jesus actually happened? If you don't believe the biblical record per se, perhaps these will help lead you to believe the biblical record. First and foremost is this, that death by crucifixion was not something that the followers of Jesus were likely to invent. If if you're going to invent a death of your leader, you're not going to use crucifixion if you're a first century Jew because of all of the baggage that that reality would have with what it meant to be cursed by God. Secondly, burial accounts fit with all historical evidence that we have. Benjamin Shaw, in an excellent essay about the resurrection and the proofs of it, indicate that the burial accounts that we have, they they don't contradict what the Bible says. Additionally, third, the claim of an empty tomb was easily verifiable, and there are no contradictory accounts. Fourth, the apostles claimed to have met Jesus face to face. Fifth, and this is Incredibly convincing to me, these apostles were willing to suffer and die for the claim that Jesus was alive. If you make up a claim that Jesus isn't really alive, if you actually haven't seen him, and then when you are threatened with death, it would be very easy to say, hey, I got that wrong. But they know, I met Jesus, he's alive. What you gonna do, kill me? Amazing, I'll go meet him. (laughs) It's transformative. And six, those who were unlikely converts came to faith in Christ when they personally encountered the living, resurrected Jesus. There are people like the Apostle Paul, there's no way 
that he would believe what he believes and say what he said were it not for Christ being alive. So the resurrection matters because redemption is only possible when death is defeated. It's important. Here's the second thing. How, how, how are grace and, resurrected, and the resurrection connected? How are grace and the concept of the resurrection connected together? Well, the resurrection helps us to understand that Jesus really was the Son of God. What's more, it's an amazing thought that the resurrection means that the devil's scheme not only failed, but the devil's plan to crucify Jesus actually worked to fulfill God's plan. How frustrating if you're the devil. Your plan to kill the Son of God opened the door for rescuing mankind. It also means that sin and death have been defeated, and it means that anyone who puts their trust in the mercy and grace of Christ can have their sins forgiven. So in chapter five and verse one, Paul says this, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This kind of peace is not the kind of peace that maybe sometimes we talk about, like I have this new job and I'm at peace with it. Or I went on vacation and I just was so at rest and felt so peaceful. Those, those are not wrong definitions of peace, but they're not what the Bible has in mind with peace. Peace with God means that the enmity, the hostility, and the separation between us and God has ended through the work of Christ. It means that God no longer is set against us because of our sin, and even more, that he has welcomed us into his family. It means that the relationship between creator and creature has been renewed Paul continues, through him we also have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. So there's a, a new standing. We, we stand in grace. Later on in the book of Romans, the apostle Paul will talk about how it changes our relationship with God the Father, that now there is a family-like relationship, that no longer are we not only God's enemies, but we're actually graced to be called his sons and daughters. We have a new standing where God has turned from judgment to mercy, from condemnation to justification, from enmity to now being graced. And then he says this, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. It means that when a person puts their trust in Christ, the resurrected Christ, not only are their sins forgiven, but God now sets their hearts and their affections on something that they wouldn't love were it not for the invasion of God's grace. When grace first enters your life, it then changes everything. When peace with God becomes what you have tasted, suddenly now you have a new affection, a new love for who God is, what he has done, and the mercy that you have experienced. Because those who have tasted of God's mercy, those who understand what God did for us in the person and work of Christ, we love the glory of God, and it changes how you see the world. It gives you an opportunity to love things that you wouldn't love. You see life through a lens that is so transformational. And that's why some of you are here today and you're not yet a Christian. Why I would compel you to trust in Christ today, not only because of your relationship with your creator, but you don't know what it means to live until you've met Jesus. It's funny, isn't it, how 
our affections and what we love can change? At kind of an earthly or cultural level or personal level, I've seen that happen. I've been in Indianapolis now 13 years. And what people in Indianapolis love, what the people in my church love, what you love, are the things that I love. But to be honest with you, before I moved here, I didn't love those things. My goodness, I, I didn't love the city of Indianapolis. I thought it was the halfway point of the longest state in the union to Florida. <laughs> I, I, I don't even think I knew that there was a football team called the Colts. I mean, in my world, I gave up on football a long time ago. It's a, it's a lion's trauma thing in my past. I, I, when I was candidating for this role, interviewing by the, being interviewed by the elders, I actually read a book about Tony Dungy because I thought they're probably going to ask me what I know about the Bible and what I know about Tony Dungy. So I read a book <laughs> literally about Tony Dungy. I, I, I didn't, I don't think I ever watched the Indianapolis 500. I didn't even know about St. Elmo's cocktail sauce. <laughs> I, I had no comprehension of the distinction between Purdue University and Indiana University. I had no idea what boiler up meant. Actually, I still don't know what that means. <laughs> and, and as somebody was leaving first service, they said, just remember, Indiana University has more banners than Purdue. I don't know what that means, but I think it's meant to get in your grill if you're a Purdue graduate. So a change in my proximity, though, changed what I love, changed what I'm interested in, changed the things that I even think are funny or interesting. Marriage does the same thing. 28 years I've been married, and I see things through my wife's eyes. I mean, seriously, if I wasn't married, you wouldn't find me in Ikea. No way. I mean, maybe for the Swedish meatballs, maybe for those, but not for fake plants. Really? No. I'm not going to be walking through the kitchen like I am now looking at, honey, look at this spatula. This is amazing. Or look at this cute little teapot or this rug with all these colors. That's, that's not where I would be were it not for marriage. So my relationship with Sarah, my relationship with this church has changed the things that I love. And those in small ways are little emblems of a much bigger reality that those who have tasted of God's grace, who know the connection between a living Savior and the unbelievable gift of God's grace, your affections change. I mean, for real. To ask for forgiveness first, that's crazy. To, to want to serve rather than be served, that makes no sense unless you've experienced the grace of Christ. To see your money and then take part of it and give it away to other people because you think giving money away is better than receiving. Who thinks that? People who have been graced. To be careful with your words and be kind when people are not. Who does that? People who have experienced the unmerited favor of a resurrected king. You see, this is how the resurrection and grace go together. This is why the resurrection is important. So then why does grace first matter? Well, here's what the text says, verse three. Not only that, here it comes, but 
We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So what does this text tell us? It tells us, in effect, that there is no pointless suffering for the follower of Jesus. In other words, there is never a time, Christian, in your life where bad things are only bad. If you've been around here at College Park for a while, you'll remember me saying this, hard is hard. But if you're a Christian, hard is not bad. The followers of Jesus can rejoice in our sufferings. He says, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing what suffering accomplishes. Somehow, some way, it's part of God's kind and merciful plan to move us and all of creation toward his glory. It's what the hymn writer said years ago, when darkness veils his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Tell you, if you believe in the resurrection and Christ is your savior, that hymn is like, yes, that's what I believe. The challenge, though, if you're not a Christian, is this idea of loving the glory of God, it will initially make no sense to you. You won't, you won't be in awe of how much grace God has extended to you. And as a result, even this text or even this Sunday would, would be a great event and we're glad that you're here, but you, you won't fully understand the meaning and the power of what's actually involved. Because the Bible tells us that the cross of Jesus resulted then in the resurrection and that model of death, then life, suffering, and then exaltation, that's the essence of what Christianity is all about. And for those of you that aren't Christians, it means that then if that's not where you're at, then your pursuit in life is just gonna be about how can you be happy and pain-free and life won't be on a trajectory of something greater than just individual life experiences or nothing more than just trying to make it from day to day. And it may be that this year has sort of wakened you up like that's not working. And I think one of the stories of a global pandemic is there's gonna be thousands of people whose hearts woke up to the reality of, I've got some thinking to do about what's really important. And if you're there, can I point you to Jesus? and realize that God has orchestrated all the events in your life, including your presence or listening on this Sunday, in order to draw you to himself? Why not trust in Jesus today? Why not stop pursuing all the things that you think are gonna make you happy in the end, though, to find that they aren't fulfilling and realize that at the end of the day, the thing you need more than anything else is a right relationship with your creator, and Jesus comes in order to make that possible. The resurrection of Christ proves that while life can be really hard and really dark, that God has the final word. So do you see how sweeping, how beautiful, how attractive the resurrection of Jesus Christ is? Do you see the way in which the resurrection of Christ actually helps us to see tragedies and difficulties differently? 
If you're a Christian, you may just need to be reminded today, you believe in the resurrection. I wanna remind you, the same God who raised Jesus from the dead is the same God who's in control of your life. You can rest, Christian. You can take confidence in the fact that God is in control. There may be circumstances in your life right now that maybe six months, maybe a year, maybe two years, maybe five years down the road, you'll be able to look back and say, oh, now I know what God is doing. And in the middle of that season, you're called to believe that the tomb is empty, my God is in control, and Jesus is reigning even now. The fact of the matter is that understanding how grace first enters our lives is one of the ways that it transforms us even in the midst of hurtful or painful or frustrating circumstances. An empty tomb changes everything. The resurrection of Jesus is the beautiful story of redemption that's underneath every story. And when you understand the power of God's grace through Christ, it transforms you, it renews you, and it causes you to see the world differently. It's the hope of a living savior who rescued me from myself. And that's why this Sunday is the best Sunday as we remember the significance of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Gracious Lord, we ask for you to now empower the very thoughts that we think by the Holy Spirit that we might know what it is that you're calling us to do. Lord, for Christians today, would you remind us of the power of the resurrection and what Jesus and his life really mean? Would you grant hope to people today who are struggling and weary, would you just remind us again that a living Savior loves us? And then God, even today, would you draw people to maybe make Easter Sunday 2021 the, the, the day where they crossed from being an unbeliever to a believer, from someone who didn't understand, who now fully embraces the claims of Christ. Lord, make that even today, we pray. We love you, Jesus, and so thankful for the empty tomb. We pray this in your name, in Jesus' name, amen.